What, which, this, that, or the other? From Bonnaroo to Coachella, traversing the music festival landscape can be tricky. That's where we come in with high fives for everyone. The What Podcast with Brad, Barry, Lord Taco, dedicated to exploring the entire festival scene. Brad has worked in the radio industry for more than 20 years and currently lives in Brooklyn, where he is program director for three stations, including one in New York, one in Detroit, and one in Miami. Barry's been a reporter for the Chattanooga Times Free Press, covering all aspects of the entertainment industry since 1987. That's before you were born. Lord Taco, the smart guy who makes these podcasts on our website at thewhatpodcast.com work. Also really good at identifying babies, loves blue-haired moms, PBR, and his beautiful Volkswagen bus. We all fell in love with the Bonnaroo Festival years ago, not only because of the amazing bands that play there every year, but also because of the incredible community spirit that has developed around it. Radiate positivity. And we really like talking about the inside baseball stuff when it comes to putting on a huge music festival. So join us. You can hear the What Podcast on the Consequence Podcast Network or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, 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 hey! How y'all feeling? Journey through the stories that define the artists playing Bonnaroo. Who are they? What are they? What will you see? The what? Which bands? This year, that matter. With Brad Steiner and Barry Corner. Melissa Vivian Jefferson, 31 years old and taking over the world. And your Bonnaroo headliner this year. She's on a mission. She keeps making new fans, new friends. Uh, It is uh, remarkable how uh, in uh, less than a year you have people who... Do not know who Billie Eilish is, but know who Lizzo is. It's very strange. Yeah. Or or maybe vice versa. I don't know. Well, I was watching the news this morning. They were like doing like the whole let's talk about the Grammys thing. And they said, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not familiar with this Billie Eilish. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yeah. But the guy who was, you know, maybe your age knew everything about Lizzo. Yeah. Everything you could know about Lizzo had it all. He's probably the same one when they announced uh the uh, Bonnaroo lineup, his co-host, co-anchor asked if he was going to go. And he said, I've had a DNA test and I'm 100% too old. Oh, that's pretty good. Okay. It was good. I was like, that's funny. That's yeah. good. Now, uh, of course, uh, Lizzo, uh, our headliner, uh, she uh, won three. She got three last night at the, uh, by the way, we're doing this on a, a Monday. Uh, so, uh, you know, Grammy's fresh in our mind, but she gets three Grammys last night. Uh, hardly eight and hardly the five or so that Billie Eilish got. But, you know, it's still enormously impressive for someone. Yeah, it's impressive that an 18-year-old wins, you know, a boatload of Grammys. That's impressive. But Lizzo was living in her car. Oh, it's living in her car. It's a tremendous story. No question about it. And you and I went on and on uh, a couple episodes ago when we announced, you know, the lineup. I think people are going to be blown away by this show. As you have impressed to me, yeah, because um, you've seen it. You're going to throw your back out, Dad. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to throw your back. out. I'm already doing the the yoga that and the oh, thank uh, God. yeah the other um, 
Yeah, the mosh pit, the okay. tool, and the yeah, the right. EDM stuff that I'm going to have to go do. Man, you are going to be looking in shape come uh, June 20th. That or that Saturday morning, I'm going to be in traction. Dead. 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 Yeah. <laughs> by the way, that's Barry Corder. I'm Brad Steiner. This is the What Podcast, a podcast for Bonnaroovians by Bonnaroovians. If you're listening uh, on Spotify, on your iTunes, or any of your uh, devices, stores, or watching this on uh, YouTube, you can find it at the what.co or the whatpodcast.com. Com. Uh, I know we want to spend some time on uh, Lizzo today because, you know, she has meant, at least to me, I think that she is the perfect zeitgeist of what this festival is supposed to be. And that's what right. we sort of said in like the uh, lineup behind the scenes show with the uh, AC Entertainment guys. But I in, more than just that, more than she's just the zeitgeist of, of the festival, she's the zeitgeist of the entire culture right now. And, you know, what I saw in her in October of 2017 is that she was filling a part of the community, yeah. especially the female community, that really wasn't being served by many people. I, th- I think certainly female, but beyond that. She, it's just a great story. Living in a car, uh, you know, the body positive. The, she's just a happy person. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gives off that energy. Uh, Let I me mean, be honest with you. We're going to play a clip for you uh, here a little bit later on the show that's going to prove how much that is so real. Yeah. That is the realest thing that you can imagine. And you, it's come from a real place with her because, you know, when she, when she was a kid, uh, she, you know, grew up in, in Detroit, and then she had moved to, to Houston, went to University of Houston, um, studied classical music and learned how to play the the flute. Became a flautist. Yeah, um, that's a which, by the way, sounds so delicious. A flautist. Yeah, I know. It sounds like it should have powdered sugar on it or oh, something. Sounds right. Great. Yeah. Um, but that's. I mean, you know, we all spend too much time on YouTube watching videos. But that's a great one of her going back to her oh, school, University of Houston. Yeah, yeah, and and talking to those those students and uh i mean that's the kind of thing you see that and you get the sense of the energy that we're talking about Mm -hmm. and who she is and the realness i mean she's had an unbelievable year um and to see where she's come from it's fun to me to to see those kind of things here's what's nuts is like uh i know you have had young children and you now have another generation of young children in your life she was when she was 14 she had something called the uh something click the cornrow click that was the name of her band when she was 14 and i always think of 14 year olds whenever they decide to do anything i usually always say good luck with that yeah right you'll do great yeah yeah it's you know (laughs) don't believe in them for a second because it's just so rare how it actually happens you know if i had a kid that was 14 and in the cornrow click i don't necessarily think that i would yeah i don't know if she's going anywhere well, that's it. This is why I'm not a father, I'm, by the that's way. That's right, and I'm going to sound like a father, but <laughs> all you can do is sort of be supportive. I mean, I can remember both of mine saying, hey, I want a guitar, and I've been through that enough to know, don't spend a whole lot of money on a guitar. Right. It, it's reciprocal. The more you spend, the less time they're going to spend that's practicing. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, but you don't want to get one that's crap. You know, if it doesn't play, they won't play it. So um probably so many parents out there have those stories of yeah i bought them an instrument they wanted to be in band well that lasts about a week yeah. you know or they lose it you know i forgot i left it on the bus yeah. or it's heavy or you know whatever so those stories for me when you hear from an artist who said i knew from the very beginning what i wanted to do and by golly they've done it well like billie eilish i mean she and her brother have been yeah. doing that for 
six, seven, yeah, eight years. Yeah, I mean, years, I guess but... I get it. It's just, it's hard. I don't know. Maybe it's not hard. I mean, I, I walked around the house when I was a kid doing nothing but a radio show. I you want to walk... be a preacher, too. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, we're not talking about that story. <laughs> uh, but I thought that it, I was going to walk around the house just doing Dave Letterman jokes. And I was walking around just doing stand-up comedy material. And I was like, oh, if one day I could just do this on the radio, I'm going to feel okay but that actually is a real story for for somebody like Lizzo. Yeah. You know, her, she goes to college. Um, she uh, her dad dies, and she's got to sort of like figure it all out. And at twenty one, she's living in her car. She moves to Minneapolis, and then she gets in with like a trio of women. One of which is now still like one of her backup dancers. I think the other one is is her DJ, if I can remember the story correctly. And then she gets the eye of Prince, and yeah. Prince finds her and gets her to to collaborate on a song with some other I don't I, I can't I actually have to figure out and ask her if she actually met Prince I can't remember exactly if she had met Prince before I'll have to ask her in fact I should have done that before this but but then you know she goes through struggle after struggle and she's on the road with Harmar superstar now, if you don't know Harmar, in fact, I think that Harmar has been to Bonnaroo a few times, but Harmar is a really weird, weird uh, band. I think it's great. I think he's terrific, mm. but it's mostly up and down the Minnesota circuit, and she was just his backup singer for a very long time. And then she gets signed by Atlantic Records. Um, she puts out a, an album on Virgin, but then she gets signed to Atlantic Records, and here's the crazy part. And I don't know if I'm uh, supposed to say this, so please don't go too crazy with it, but she was signed for an amount of money that is, it's, it's not an amount of money. I mean, when it comes down to this, when you hear the amount of money that most people are signed at, um, you know what, I probably just shouldn't say the number, uh, but it's not an amount of money. And that's what's so crazy about it. And I think that even the label started to get nervous, nervous. and not know what to do a little bit because... It just wasn't. I mean, she she peaked with her first album with Atlantic on uh, Coconut Oil at like forty four on the R and B chart, but it just couldn't. It just couldn't. She couldn't find her rhythm. Yeah. And then and then something just happened, and like the she goes on the RuPaul Drag Show, and the audience connects with her, and she connects with that with that part of the of the 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 the, the country, and that lifestyle. And then it all starts moving. She records Cause I Love You. Uh, she puts out Juice. And I find her in October. I find her October of 2017. And this is, uh, for you guys watching, uh, I hope you can uh, enjoy this. But uh, this is her sending me a video. I played Juice for the first time in the country. And this is the video she sends me shortly thereafter. Listen to this. Hi, Brad. Thank you so much for playing Juice. You know how lit that is? That's so special. You're going to be one of the first people ever. When this song is all over the world, you can say that you were the first that played my song. So thank you so much. That means the world to me. Thank you for helping me make all my dreams come true. You the shit. That was October of 2017. Or 2018, I apologize. 2018. And she's like that spirit has not changed to today. But what do you, let me ask you, what do you think did change? You said she was, couldn't find her groove, couldn't find whatever. And that's always the thing with artists because they got somebody in their ear so often telling them you should do this, you know, whatever the hot thing is, go this route, go that route for somebody of any age to find it and say, this is what I'm going to do and then have it work. I mean, what do you think? change was it just the RuPaul show she found you know she 
felt that energy coming back? Was she just mature enough all of a sudden yeah. to do what she wanted to do? Well, what do you think it is? I think it's a little bit of that. Um, I mean, I've done enough of these interviews. It always takes somebody. You know, there's how many of we artists, and, I, and I'm thinking for some reason of comedians, you know, they'll struggle for years and then they find something. Rodney Dangerfield is the classic example. You know, he was well into his, what, 40s, 50s before he hit. Um, Artists, the ones that come out and know early on who and what they are Mm -hmm. is pretty amazing. But do you, but you've done this long enough to know that it also has mostly to do with luck and timing. Absolutely. And, you, you know, she was being in, she was living in Minneapolis. I've often wondered the rarity are the 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 bands and artists that come out of you know podunk wherever uh versus if you're playing in and around a minneapolis a new york a detroit Mm -hmm. you know what good looks like yeah you know what i mean you also you also have a north star in minneapolis that just in case just in case prince might happen to catch wind of who you are yeah you better not be screwing around it right. better, be, better good. be good. You better be good. You better up your game. And and that's part of what I'm saying, too. It's sort of like Nashville. Nashville puts the same pressure on you, right? Uh, that pressure is there in Austin. You yeah. know, it's not there, say, in Louisville. No, and I one of, I don't remember who said it, but one of the interviews I did recently, a guy was talking about moving to Nashville from some small town and, and you know, goes drives in with all the confidence in the world and then realizes – you know, he's waiting tables and realizes I'm not even the best guitar player at this restaurant <laughs> on this staff, you know, much yeah. less. But yeah. you see that level. You see it in, you know, in sports where kids got to go play against the best in the country before they know that they're good or not type mm-hmm. of thing. So I don't know. I think that the they see it. They rise to that level. But somebody like Lizzo, who is so unusual mm-hmm. and so different, I mean – I guess RuPaul makes as much sense to be a role model as anybody I can think of. Um, it's interesting. I mean, she would she would point to Missy Elliott being her biggest role model because Missy was doing it in a time where not many really powerful, strong black women were able to exist. Right. Um, but I'm glad that you asked that question because when she came to town, luckily after she played or I played Juice, uh, she came and played a free show in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I was the only person that she came and did this for. She canceled all of the shows, all the promos, all the free shows that she was going to do for this radio tour, uh, mainly because by February, you know, some things happened. Coachella hit, you know. The Met Gala hit, and she just exploded. And somewhere around March and April, I could start to feel like the label saying, we don't know if we can make this show happen. We've canceled everything that's not paid because they felt it moving. They felt it blowing up, and luckily she held her word. They they came to Chattanooga, did a free show. She was sick as a dog. She did two songs for free in front of 350 people, and... Before it, uh, actually, I'm sorry. Before, after the show, I asked her somewhat of that question. Do you want to hear the interview? Yeah, because let's do it. it might be a a, a tad graphic. <laughs> it, again, that's her. It is just so. So real. yeah, be aware. So, yeah, uh, but here you go. This is Lizzo if you're, talking. If you're to driving me. the kids to school, better hit it's the pause. Bit. I'll let it. It. I will make sure All it's right. it's All a right. it's friendlyish. Be a tough conversation. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> You'll see why. Uh, this is me and Lizzo uh, in Chattanooga back in May. Hi, Lizzo. Hi. Hi. I couldn't be more proud of you. It's uh, quite amazing what you've been through the last uh, few months, huh? Oh, and yes, and shout out your Run the Jewels pin. That's Damn right. Damn cool. Right. Yes, right. Run it. Okay. Uh, you, know which one, you know which one that is? Which one are you, who are you going with? What's your I guess? I think that's Killer Mike. That is LP. Okay, well, I just like Killer Mike. I do, too. I do, too, because we like Bernie. Uh, So uh, the last few months, uh, this is uh, surprising to you? Um, Well, no, it's just um, exciting. And I I think that my whole life, you know, I've been creating music and I've been performing shows. So I've always felt really successful. I think that's my definition of success. But as my music started to help people and help you know, change how people felt and made it more positive. I, my, one of my goals was for my music to finally reach as many people as possible. So that's what I'm feeling more. I'm overwhelmed with pride and I'm just so proud of the fact that people are, they want to be happier. They want to love themselves. That's the only reason why my music is catching on. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason why Truth Hurts is on the charts right now because everyone wants to be 100% that bitch. You know what I mean? Am I 100% that bitch? Can I be that? Of course you are. Okay, (laughs) good. So I I find this to be uh, so inspiring because I I don't, and I said this uh, earlier, it's part Beyonce, part Oprah. I mean, you're testifying on stage and you're, you're, you're teaching life lessons. That's got to come from a, an enormous place of a strength and security from you. I wonder if you ever get insecure, if you ever get worried, if you ever get fearful. Well, I mean, I'm actually learning on... So, yes, thank you. Um, believe it or not... What I'm saying on stage isn't to people, but it's with people. Right. It's, it's conversational. I'm learning new things every night on stage about myself and about how to manage my life better. Like on this tour, I actually had a really rough start yeah. um, coming straight from Coachella. Um, and I had been beating myself be- up because of Coachella and the technical difficulties. And, and then I was sick immediately. And I was just like, oh my God, this sucks. Like I'm not. I'm not going to be good enough. I'm not going to sing good enough. I feel bad. I wish I could be 100. So um, I actually was at a pretty low point, and I would have conversations with the crowds in the first few shows and just try to figure out what the fuck was going on and, like, how can I build myself back up from this low point that I was at? And when I... As I was talking to them, I realized that that is a part of it. That's a part of self-love. That's a part of self-care. It's why we do so much self-care. Because when we're beating ourselves up and when it's actually not all sunshine and roses, we have this foundation that we've laid down to help pick us back up a little easier. So I found myself able to bounce back from my low point on this tour That's way awesome. quicker. Um, so, but yeah. So other than other than doing therapy on stage with an audience, where do you where do you go for for inspiration? Where do you go in the low moments where who do you turn to because i mean i i just watched 300 people turn to you and last and last night in nashville i saw you know a thousand people turn to you who do you turn to real therapy that well, yeah. my therapist i'm just kidding just shout out to gail my my girl gail um uh who gail king <laughs> um well you know i have a really um amazing group of people around me that my best friends also tour with me and they were my best friends before we toured and then a lot of the people who tour with me have become my best friends from the dancers to my glam team um so we're all on the same path we all want to be more positive-minded self-loving happier people so when you have a group of people like that around you 
there's no way any of that can darkness can exist. Yeah. They're gonna get rid of that shit so quick. And sometimes, you know, I think it's just communicating, learning how to open up your mouth and just say how you feel, yeah. which has been really hard for me yeah. my whole life. Why? And I I don't know. I think it's because and I and I said this last night, like, you know. I was taught to like be very strong and hold back my emotions yeah. to make sure everyone else is comfortable when I was little. And it's a part of being a black woman too. Like we're so strong, we take so much on mm -hmm. and it's it's this inherent thing. It's this very innate thing, but then it's also this socially taught thing from, from young age. So um, I was the baby in the family, but I was always the rock and I would hold things down. And But the older I get, the more I realize I was repressed and mm -hmm. I didn't get to express myself. I didn't get to cry, I didn't, but if I didn't get to cry, that means I didn't get to really fully love, and right. I didn't get to really fully laugh, and really fully be angry. I didn't allow myself the well full spectrum right. of emotions, right. yeah. You can't be just safe all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, my friends around me allow me to go to those extremes yeah. without turning their backs on me, and they, and they embrace that, because they know that I'm, I'm late to the party. Sure. I'm late to the emotions sure. party. <laughs> but, but you're there anyway. That's all that matters. You're yeah. at the party. That's all that matters. And, and that goes into every song that you write. There is a distinct message every time that you, you seem to not just speak, but sing. There's, there's a common thread through it all. Well, thank you, and it's yeah. my voice. That's what it yeah. is, and I and I'm on this journey to find my voice, um, and I'm on this journey to love myself. Yeah. And so I think that that's because if you don't love yourself, who listen, will? Listen, who that's the right. hell gonna love you? Can I get an amen? No, I'm just kidding. That's not the same. What does RuPaul say? You're asking you, me. Okay, wait. If you can't love yourself, how the hell you gonna love somebody else? That's Can right. I get an amen? That's right. That's it, right? <laughs> um, don't put that first part in there where I butchered RuPaul. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get back on the show. Um, but exactly. Um, and and that's th that was the first half of my messaging. On the coconut oil tours, I would always be like, you need to love yourself and fill yourself up with yourself so that you can be better to the people around you. And right. that's what I was trying to learn. Right. But we're taking it a step further now where it's like, you need to be complete with yourself and be your own soulmate and stop searching for something outside of yourself right. and stand still in yourself so that you can attract all of that love that is purposed for you. Everything that you deserve, all that good shit that's floating around, yeah. that's waiting for you, is attracted to you once you're just in love with yourself. Well, you might you might have just now come to the party, but you're billowing through the party. I mean, you're you're running through it with a, like a chair almost and swinging it because <laughs> I mean I don't know when you got there, but boy, you're there and and it's it's exude, it exudes from you. And I think that's that's the. I think that's the magnetic part of you, yeah. and that's the reason why we love you so much. So. Well, I mean, it took my whole life to get to the Met Gala, but I went and I fucking shut that shit down, so Daniel, <laughs> I guess that's... Daniel, Daniel, the funniest video I've ever seen is walking through the airport with that jacket on. <laughs> that was great. Um, what was the rental cost for that extra day? You gotta, they oh got, my God. They, they, <laughs> no, that's my coat, my name. They gave my it to you? It. It's, it's yours. A, it's it's Mark Jacobson. It says Lizzo, Met Gala 2019. Do you carry it with you everywhere you go now? It's literally inside my pussy. <laughs> It's like a tampon. Yeah. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna ask to wear it, but uh, ah, no, you still can. My pussy juice is delicious. <laughs> blame it on my juice, blame. You know, you was playing the song first. Yeah, well, you know I about my juice. I, 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 
By the way, I, I appreciate it so much. I love you so much. And I, I, I said this on stage, you're the best part of the industry. Um, you're the best part, uh, you represent everything that's great with humanity. We, we need so many more of you. So I, I, I love you to death. I, that's I the goal. The goal is to just represent me and so that other people can believe in the me in themselves so that they can do this too. Well, do it. I love you. Boy, I really, really wanted to wear that jacket. <laughs> I wanted to wear that jacket. I'd like to see you in that jacket. <laughs> would you? Um, that would not be something I'd want the wife of yours to uh, walk in on looking. No, you. that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, we talked about this similar sort of thing in the last episode with the AC guys is how labels and management, how they know, how are they able to predict six months out, a year out? Uh, obviously with her, I mean, you can, you can almost see the energy well, her, but still. Well, look, th- this is what the manager said to me when she came to town. She said, uh, we think that we're going to be doing. No, no. She said, we know we're going right. to be doing arenas by the end of this tour. Man, that is uh, I sort of laughed at it. You That's know, what I, I'm saying I mean, I love I love you, Lizzo, but I did not see that coming. They just felt it. They knew it. I think that they built it on the data thing that we were talking about last week with the with the AC guys. You know, they were seeing how quickly the shows were selling out what the return on when they came back to a city was and how they could find almost the exact same group and were seeing the the audience expand in a way that... Look, she comes to... That week that she came to Chattanooga and then I interviewed her shortly thereafter, I went to see her in Atlanta just a couple of days later. Barry, it was the Tabernacle, and if you've ever been to the Tabernacle, if you're upstairs, you can basically like see down onto the crowd. I have never in... I don't know... 25 years of going to shows, I have never heard a louder crowd in my life. Yeah, you came back that next day, and we're talking about, what, 300 white people twerking or whatever the number was. And it was it was a couple, of, yeah, in, in Chattanooga, yeah, it was about 350. But let me know at the Tabernacle oh, show. Oh, it was a whatever, thousand. Tabernacle's like a thousand, thousand yeah. Um, so, and first of all, I got to make fun of you, and then I'll, I'll ask you, I'll, I'll give you the credit, but we should say that this is the first of what many of... Brad's BFF oh, yeah. stories yeah, okay. that we're probably going to, you know, yeah. I got, I, I'm, I'm in a tough spot this year. I'm in a tough spot. <laughs> it's fine. And it's my job to, you know, level knee, me out kneecap a little bit. you yeah. every now and then. <laughs> kneecap me. Kneecap you. Thanks. Bring you back. Cor- bring you down. You're real Corleone. You know that? Somebody's got to do it. But, I mean, to me, this is sort of interesting. Obviously, with hindsight, she's a star. She's a superstar. But no one was playing her before you did. And, you know, I've teased you about you discovered her. She was probably going to be discovered. She was going to do just fine. She was going to do just fine. But what was it? I mean, for, you know, this is sort of inside baseball, but that's what we're here for with this this podcast. What was it? I mean, you probably get the same as I do, 100 CDs or pitches or whatever. What was it about that one? And why then? And why not? You know, six months later, six months earlier, whatever. Well, radio is is funny in that most radio stations can't take many chances. They can't go out on limbs and just play whatever they they find on a blog and enjoy. I'm in a really lucky situation. I was able to basically craft a radio station however I wanted it, mainly because, you know, we were in a really interesting pocket of the industry and in that we weren't owned by a large corporation and local control was basically just me. So right. if I found something that I really, really liked, I could throw it on and just have fun with it and see what happened. 
I, I mean, it's happened with a couple of other artists, but like I said that day on stage is we took a lot of chances at the radio station, a lot of chances on artists playing a lot of, you know, just nonsense that Brad just happened to like. Now, I'm having to work into a confines of a top 40 format, which means, you know, 95% of this is going to be already dictated to me by what the chart position right. and, you know, um, you know, where most streams are coming from and sales are coming from. But I, there are a few that we've hit. There's a few that we got lucky on. And when we started playing Lizzo, you could just start seeing her pop up in the Spotify locals or the Shazam locals. You could start finding her popping up on the sales charts where I'll, I'll never forget the first week we played her. I mean, it, you get one to 200 on the sales chart. Right or the stream chart right. one to two hundred out of nowhere, Lizzo Juice was like one twelve, and I'm not giving her a lot of airplay. It's it's you know some overnights and a couple night tracks. I mean, I maybe played her ten times, fifteen times that first week, and even there, you could see it pop up. Somebody streamed it, somebody bought it in Chattanooga. So then I played it a little bit more the next week, and it went to like eighty, from like one twenty to eighty. And then by the third week, it was in the top 30 of Chattanooga, no matter if it was streamed, no matter if it was sold. Right. And then the Shazam, you can, you can narrow down exactly into your market who's Shazamming what. And from the moment we played it, Lizzo was like one of the top 10 Shazam songs of the entire city. And that's what you know, these guys are looking at on a very small level, right? When they try to find out what's a hit, what's working, and what's not. They use markets like Chattanooga and they use markets around the country that they can, you know, test some things out just to see if they can build a story. Right. And then that story, then they can sell to other markets and, and bigger cities. And, and hopefully then it becomes a groundswell. We just got lucky. It was going to hit. Now, what happens with Juice is that Juice is such a fun song and such a great song. But, you know, Netflix comes around. And they've got this movie that is, you know, it's a chick flick. And it is about female empowerment. And it's about, you know, girls sort of t taking over their life and reowning their life. And, yeah. you know, Truth Hurts yeah. uh, finds its place in that movie. Now, Truth Hurts is a song that's four years old, you know. But they put it in this net Netflix movie and all hell breaks loose and I'll never forget the call from the label they called up and they said hey uh, we're gonna we're gonna switch singles because this what's happening with Truth Hurts is I mean we can't deny it we have to go on this right now so we're gonna abandon a single that was top 25 that was moving and they go to Truth Hurts all because they start, saw the data they started seeing how it was reacting and they could not hold it back yeah. And within 12 weeks, it was a number one single. See, it's interesting how all this dovetails to what our conversations for the last two episodes. I mean, those guys like you, it's their job. Your job every day was to find these kinds of, well, you could have easily just done the market thing, you know, taking what the, the, yeah. the data said. Right. But you had that leeway to do that, that 5%. And same with Steve and Brian. Um, but it comes with being t clued in and on top of things. You know, there's, there is a lot of luck. Like, you know, when they, if they're talking about booking somebody like that a year and a half ago or having it on the radar, radar that, that they have to be pretty good at what they're doing because mm. they couldn't have predicted three Grammys. Mm -hmm. You know, no, nobody can predict that. No. Uh, they couldn't have predicted the movie, you know, 
for a four-year-old song. That's what I mean. It's it's that combination of luck, timing, but as you kept pointing out last week, taking advantage of the moment. Look, look, they're, they're, when they get it exactly. That's what they said. But again, you know, I don't think anyone of us are under any sort of notion that. Anybody watched that show when she came to Bonnaroo in whatever year that was, looked at that and said, you know what, she's going to be headlining this festival in a couple years. I don't know if anybody said that. And, you know, I know it's their job to, you know, say certain things and promote certain things. But I really want to know the truth when I ask them. Do you like everything you book? (laughs) I mean, do you like everything? Like, I know it's the best interest of the festival, but... There have got to be some bands you're like, oh, this sucks. I, I think it's they admitted that there were some that don't fall into their, you know, their bailiwick. It's probably not what they listen to. Their but what? Bailiwick. Wow. Put the, write that one down, kids. Bailiwick. I have. <laughs> we really that, do need to do this is that, quiz. I is that something like, I need to get checked out at the doctor? No, no. What's a bailiwick? bailiwick. It, it, they're, uh, they're, they're lane. Oh, okay. All right. Um, I'll take my bailiwick to ye old town store. Here's <laughs> later today. <laughs> like I keep telling you, Brad, read a book. <laughs> Put the phone down, read a book. Hang on a second. I'm getting a text message from bailiwick. <laughs> so my friend, his name is. It would be a good band name. Yeah. Um, but they admit, you know, but they, I mean, we've heard from some folks that EDM is probably not everybody on that staff's favorite thing. Uh, there are some of them that... Probably it, why they hire somebody else to do exactly. it. Exactly. And why they probably never even walked by that tent. But they were smart enough to see that was going to be a big demand and it's done very, very well for them. Yeah. Um, that's just one example. There, There's no way they can like everything. And even you and I have... As we talked about last week, they've earned that trust where I might walk by a show and say, it's not for me. Mm-hmm. But I can see where it's where it's good, you know, at least where it's honest and well done type of thing. Uh, I don't get the feeling. I don't know that I've ever gotten the feeling from seeing a show there that somebody bought their way on that lineup. Put it, you know what I mean? Yeah, they don't belong, but a favor was owed or a check was written. I never have gotten that feeling. Well, I mean, you also haven't seen every artist that's no, ever fair, played. Point. Fair point. Very but fair. I, you know, I, I, I look, I got to take them at their word when they say they haven't done a favor to put somebody on the lineup. I can't imagine them having to do that in the last few years. I, I mean, I don't necessarily yeah. see them telling me exactly the truth 10 years ago. I mean, they may not even know. They may not even know what favors were called in uh, by I, a live I, nation or yeah, somebody that's what like I was that. To say. It's not just always been the two guys. So, yeah, we have no idea, but. So, uh, as far as you know, the the Grammys as a whole, what'd you think? What'd you think of the uh, the winners as it uh, relates to the Bonnaroo lineup? I thought it looked good for Bonnaroo. Uh, I also felt like, and I don't know how you are. I mean, it's your job with radio, but there are years when I look at the list and say, I don't know any of these people. Never heard of. I didn't. I didn't. That didn't happen this year. Um, I knew. I knew. I felt like I. That's knew. interesting. Do you attribute that to strength, or do you? Where do you? When you say that you know them, is that saying that they were good? That's a good question. Um, you know the the grumpy old man cynic in me says, "Yeah, you know they don't make music like they did when I was, you know, kind of wah wah." Um, 
That's a good question. I don't really know because I just thought of that this morning when I was reading back over the list. I was like, I, I know, you know, of the five or six nominees, there were maybe one or two that I really was not familiar with their music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try because it's my job to sort of stay up with it. Yeah. Uh, well, see, that is one that, that is one difference difference between like say me generically and the AC guys. They have to listen to everything. Right. I just want to listen to everything. Yeah. I don't really need to. Uh, I can very easily do this job and not listen to you know most anything. Yeah. You know, I can I can really zombie my way through this and get a pretty healthy lifestyle. But no, I I just choose to. These yeah. guys have to, and that's what we were talking about last week. Is like at what point do you just like I am so done overload yeah. over you know, overloaded. Well, with well this the other stuff. thing is, I mean, you you pick on me because I I have memory lapses or whatever where I can't remember somebody or think, but. One of one of my fears as a music writer is, you know, you'll ask me, hey, do you like X, you know, whatever? And you're asking me about a Chinese dish and I'm thinking it's a musician or vice versa. You know, I don't I don't ever want to be the oh, yeah, I like that a lot. And then come to find out it's a made up name. Yeah. <laughs> Barry, my favorite new band is Pad Key Mao. Pad Key Mao. What do you oh, think about them, it? Man. Oh. Yeah, they're... Love that first album. <laughs> exactly. Sweet and sour chicken. <laughs> so weird i've done it and i've seen people do it you know the, the inclination is yeah I've, I've heard of them and then you come is to that find a out weird it's all thing? made that is up such a weird thing that your natural inclination whenever because you're in the world that you're in and i guess i fall prey to this too is to immediately say oh, of course i know sure. who they are of course uh, yeah love them her favorite them. and heard then i listen them. to them and I'm like god that's terrible <laughs> why did i say i like this yeah at least they exist yeah. uh, that's what i'm no talking kidding. about um, so, but as far as uh, Bonnaroo people, oh, that's what a question was. You, I sort of took this in, at least in the industry-wide, I, I think that the natural consensus was it was a very weak year. And that's why it was able for, you know, certain people to do as well as they were. Um, Could be. Yeah, that, I, I mean, that's a great point. Maybe those years where I hadn't heard of a lot of people is because it, it was a huge field. Whereas this one, maybe it's just a few people. Uh, that's a good point. Um, I kept watching last night, thinking uh, Grammy night when we talked about last night. I kept watching, you know, I love her. I'm a huge her fan. Right. And uh, she was my uh, album of the year vote, my Grammy vote for, you know, two years ago. But I was still remarking, like, I kept watching. It's like, how in the world has she not played the farm yet? How has her not played the biggest music festival on the planet? And, and I. Uh, Every time I keep, I have thought about the same thing that that Steve said maybe twenty times since we've been in Knoxville. When he was talking about them approaching someone, going back and forth with someone, and it just not working out, and then at the end of that sentence, he slips up and he says, "And we'll probably have her next yeah, year." Yeah, 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 maybe it work. I yeah. have been racking my brain to figure out who that would be. I know, me too. I mean. Uh, if 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 I'm just spitballing and guessing, I say to myself, Lady Gaga, because it's off cycle for her. It wouldn't make sense necessarily, but they would really try to get her on. Would it be a Taylor Swift? That doesn't really make sense. Um, then I can go to, you know, the 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 rock side and try and find like a. By the way, Bonnie Raitt was great last night. Yeah. Tanya Tucker was great last yeah. night. Brandy Carlisle was great last night. I go on that side of it and see if there's somebody on there that they're trying to talk about. I just 
something has been really bugging me about that yeah, sentence. I agree. I want to I want to say this, and then we can come back to that. But it's so funny. One of the best lines I ever heard was after Stephen Tyler. Because you, you texted last night and said, this Aerosmith run DMC thing is terrible. That was but, one of the worst things ever Somebody made head. a comment when he first started judging on the, the talent show that he looks like a Dennis first ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's the best line. You've been using that for years, haven't you? It's perfect. Um, it was unwatchable. And when you say when you look at when you look down the line, you're like, oh, these young people, they don't make music like I had in my day. You know what, young people, kids, if if parents have ever said that to you, put on the video of Aerosmith and Run DMC from the 2020 Grammys and walk out of the room. That they will never say another word to you about the garbage that you listened to. That was unlistenable last night. Yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, there's a lot of things that just shouldn't be redone, and that was probably one of them. Yeah, it just was. It felt like such a. a Plus, I don't know how they do it without Jam Master Jay. That just seemed wrong. But. So then you had a, they had the big Winford Vampire Weekend. You've had um, uh, Billie Eilish and the uh, Bonnaroo vet that she is at this point. Um, and then yeah. when you start looking at the people who win, maybe that's exactly you know what they're looking at. Maybe they see a Billie Eilish for 2021. Maybe they see a her for 2021. Maybe they start taking these, this crop. Maybe Yola, who's a best new artist, and we'll spend a, a, an episode later on in the season talking about her, but maybe they take a Yola, and this year she's on a what they would call a cafe stage right. or a, a Friday early slot, and she turns into something that you know could get any bigger. But that's, that's the beauty of this whole thing. Yeah, we didn't really ask them that question specifically, did we? Do they look at things like Grammys? Um, I mean, are they sitting there with a notepad writing down names? Or does it matter? Does it work against an artist? You know, now the, your, your fee bumps up substantially because you have that behind you. Uh, I don't know. That's an interesting. I just keep thinking about the timing of it all. That's the part that I can't wrap my head around. Um, it, it's, it's, hard, it's, it's hard for you to foresee that long far correct. in the future. You're, you're four, 16 months away, yeah. and you're just like, I just, how are you going to predict the cycle? And this is what my point was to you last week when, when we did the recap to the behind-the-scenes part two. That's the part that freaks me out. You're confused by it. It freaks me out that this whole thing, this whole machine might be ran without my input whatsoever as a consumer. That sort of scares me. And it makes me think that some of the things, and it goes back to the Grammy controversy, of when she came out and said that the whole thing's rigged. Um, and, you know, there, look, there's some irregularities that I can even tell you that, are, that are, are weird when it comes to nominating people. And there is a huge political thing when it comes to nominating people. And the even voting in and of itself is strange when you get your ballot. Do you know that you can only vote for a certain amount of categories? You can't vote oh, for all no, of them. You I only didn't. get a you only get like ten that you can actually vote in. And um, is that you think because they don't think anybody has the capacity to be well versed in more than ten? I think they want to control. The mechanism and wow. and the other thing too is not everybody that's a Grammy voter gets access to the entire ballot. So if you are a classical composer and you have enough credits and you can get you your your endorse and you're in the Grammy voting thing, and then you go to put your vote in, 
you may not be able to do best new artist. You may not be able to vote for record of the year, album of the year, because it's outside of your yeah, sphere. No, that's of, what I'm saying. It makes some sense. Yeah. What What does uh, maybe they do? We know a few people, but what does a hip hop fan know about classical music? Best new, you know, Reap Tchaikovsky remake. That makes sense, and vice versa. Um, but it does. It does cause a lot of problems. I mean, it causes a lot of problems, and it may it just makes the whole system feel strange and maybe that's part of why i'm struggling and we kept asking brian and steve so much about process and how much they know and can plan is i guess the cynic in me is my whole life i just thought the grammys were rigged (laughs) it's all i've ever heard that the label buys it you know it's preordained but this is the political problem we have in this country you know they're they're all they're all terrible they're all corrupt so might as well just not trust any yeah because you know as a music fan i would hear an album that i loved that got no awards no nominations and then you know something that sold a lot of records that was terrible would win you know, it is weird that that we that we do awards the way that we do awards on the music side of it because when you look at the film and the television side of it, when you look at the visual arts, they they really pare down the award shows almost to the, you know, to the to the letter. You've got the SAGs that is primarily an acting uh, an Actors Guild thing. You've got the Oscars, which is, you know, for basically ratings and show. You've got a Golden Globes. You've got a TV. You've got a daytime Emmy. You've got a nighttime Emmy. You've got... Right. They break it down into subgenres, but yet we don't do that with music. Like, give me the Grammy equivalent for something that... Or not even the Grammy equivalent. Give me the Emmy equivalent in music. Well, there, give you me, know, give there me have been the, those controversies. Who was it? Metallica that won best... What was it they won when they or Jethro Tull won Best Heavy Metal Band? Remember that it was rad because they rad. Well, they weren't they weren't going to give it to whoever else. Somebody was trying to control it, and that's I guess it's those kinds of things that have always made me feel like yeah, it's it's bogus. I mean, they didn't even have an urban or rap award for years. Um, that was a big controversy. Well, so, 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 but the, the other side of it, sorry to interrupt, okay. is if it's not popular. Why give it an award? You know, I, I could sort of see that argument. I mean, if something sells 20 million records, are you going to keep it out of at least being nominated? I, those are the questions that I understand. Struggle but with. this is but this is why I and you give me such hell about this. But this is why I said to you in front of Ashley. In front of Ashley Caps, I said, Ashley, I think that you saved music. Yeah. Oh, I, because I think that what Bonnaroo did... <laughs> I give you hell because that was your opening salvo in the bourbon tent. You know, I, uh, <laughs> that was, hi, I'm Brad. I like to start big. saving. <laughs> I like to start big. I like to leave an impression. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that it created an entire genre of music and allowed artists to exist in a space that didn't require major commercial radio There's play, major no album question. sales, and major tours. You know, they could survive on a, just a festival circuit. That, uh, is, that is amazing. And Bonnaroo created the ability to have a festival circuit. You know, it's not a Coachella and Lollapalooza. Give me a place where... Festivals existed. You're Bonnaroo was one hundred percent right. Live music did not exist outside, really, of the giant arenas or the tiny, and the rooms. tiny rooms. Yeah, 
Uh, the 10,000s, the 12,000s, the 3,000s were going nowhere. It was all hip-hop. It was, it was all studio stuff. You know, the bands that actually were getting out and performing live were struggling. They were, you know, living in vans, going up and down their, their circuit. I totally agree that Bonnaroo, in my own, I've said this many, many times, I was stuck in that rut. I mean, I was tired of going to our arena and seeing the same show, whether it was a hair band or a country right. band, or it was the same show. Right. And that second or third year coming back from Bonnaroo and realizing, man, I just saw 20 bands that I, you know, 15 of them I would not have seen right. or heard of before because they don't sell records. They don't appear on any of our local radio stations for whatever reason. It, it just completely re-energized and, and not just me, obviously. And a lot of people, the discovery thing became new again. You know what I mean? Bonnaroo, for me, became, I don't know, however many bands on this lineup, and that's the best part. That's right. what I'm excited about. Right, but now we, we live in a culture that if I don't know all of them, then the lineup must suck. Right. Okay. Well, sort of. That's why you and I started this podcast. I think, I think... Because it's not just us. We're here at, on Reddit and the other people who've reached out to us. That's what they love. That Now it's become cool to discover a band. Yeah. You know, not just have your favorite and not just be that kid on your block whose favorite band is, you know, somebody nobody else has heard of. Now it's, guess what I just discovered and right. share it. And that's a huge difference that did not exist yeah. 20 years ago. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Bonnaroo's broken my heart in in January before. You know, when that first year when I was so into Frank Ocean and Channel Orange, not booking Frank broke my heart. Not getting Lana Del Rey early uh, sort of broke my heart. Not getting, um, you know, when uh, my favorite singer-songwriter on the planet, James Vincent Morrow, not getting him um, sure. the year that I wanted him, but getting him the year after. I mean, the, but but... It brings me back every time when, just like you said, we go to a show like Davey or we go to the War and Treaty and we're pulled right back in. We find all of these artists that then we're stuck with, stuck with, that we're, we're in love with for the, you know, for the rest of life, uh, yeah, essentially. I, I really, really wanted Billie Eilish this year up there. Um, you know, ever since you mentioned her to I was like, who? <laughs> and then I went and I'm obsessed with watching the YouTube videos with her and her interviews and... Uh, the Hot Ones episode she did. It's she, I just like her. Um, so I would have not had that opportunity, would not have discovered that, and, and to be able to see her live in a place like Bonnaroo yeah. is, is what I uh, keeps me coming back. And the commercial world had to catch up to what the festival circuit was doing. I mean, now you've, it's, it's a given. You're going to find a Vampire Weekend that's on the Grammys now. You're going to find the National. Hey, Ma! was nominated for Record of the Year. Boney Vare has been nominated now two records in a row for Album of the Year. You know, uh, does that happen without yeah. a, a festival circuit that he can exist on? Because, look, even alternative radio ain't playing much Boney Vare. Right. You know, and, and the stations that are playing Boney Vare, you know, you're looking at, like, really, really, really niche radio stations, but because of the festival circuit, they're opening up you to so many places and so many artists that you can, you know, then see again in the next festival that you travel to, and then the next one, and then Bonnaroo two years later. I don't know where we heard it, but most people now discover new music 
via YouTube. I saw that somewhere. Is that the stat? Is yeah. that is that yeah. where it's happening? Now? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, that's, I, that's not me, but, uh, but yeah, not most people. No, but I think it's part of that sort of works hand in hand is they're not relying on, forgive me for saying it, a you to tell them what to listen to. To me, that is a huge leap that Bonnaroo and then festivals that came after it have created. The idea of, I'm more interested in discovering new music than I know that that's what showing you say. how cool I am because me and 20 other people. Well, I know that's what you say, are. but that's not what Steve and Brian would explain their mission as to be. They are not looking to be a music curator for you. I think that they want to serve you the things that would make the your experience the best one possible. And I don't know if I would... I don't know. If, if I would have asked them that question, I think they would have pushed back on me because they're not scared of doing that, by the way. I know no, no. <laughs> uh, But they, they would have pushed back and said, no, 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 no. We're not trying to get you to discover anything. We're not going to take advantage of your... We're not going to assume your intelligence on this. Well, we're gonna and that just, was the point I was asking when I asked what the mission was. And if you remember, the first answer was to sell tickets. I don't discount that at all. I mean... You know, no money, no mission. If they don't sell tickets, they don't get to do next year's lineup. They don't get to curate that kind of thing. And, you know, going back to the point that this is what they do all day, I almost could see it where it's difficult for them to say, I'm going to introduce you to this person because they've already listened to it. You know what I mean? Sure. It'd be hard for them to look down a list and say, nobody knows this one, this one, this one. And to your point, and I think you're 100% right, if they just loaded it up with these are the bands we think you should be listening to yeah. versus these are the bands you have indicated you think you want, right. that, that is completely that's what, different. Right. That's, I, I agree that's where I was that. going. Yeah, that's, that's um, you, you know, just in my line of work, whenever a new restaurant opens and the person says, we're going to educate the public about this food. Bye. 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 <laughs> Go ahead and give me your check. Yeah. I'll, they're a ball bat and I'll beat you on the yeah. head and we'll both be happy. <laughs> yeah. It ain't going to work. Yeah. That doesn't work for anybody. This is uh this has been a uh, phenomenal chat. Um, we've got uh, some Patreons that we want to thank. They're going to go uh, through the screen there. And again, there's a lot of them, and we appreciate every one of you. Uh, and we appreciate you just for listening on the whatpodcast.com or any of your uh, your uh, audio devices. Do we like, need to thank uh, the Moxie. Yeah, yeah, you can thank the Moxie, sure. Thank the Moxie for letting us do this here. Yeah, the, the as long as world, they don't run my credit card, I'm fine. World headquarters. Yeah, the world yeah. headquarters. Yeah, thank you very podcast. much to the Patreons. And and not just for signing up, but for engaging. I mean, some of the dialogue we've had back and forth, yeah. it's a lot of fun. One of the great uh, perks of being uh, a Patreon is that you get a uh, specialized chat room where we basically just make jokes about Barry. It's uh, very exciting. As if they couldn't do that elsewhere. <laughs> I know, but now we get to laugh amongst each other. Yeah, now it's, it's official very, or something. <laughs> uh, plus, all kinds of other things. Uh, it's going to, um, we're going to, uh, I guess, uh, going to adjust the Patreon level here uh, soon. So uh, get in while you can uh, in the next few days. Uh, other than that, we appreciate you. The whatpodcast.com. It's Barry Coyer. I'm Brad Steiner. I'll see you next week. Bye. Journey through the stories that define the artists playing Bonnaroo. Who are they? What are they? What will you see? The what? Which bands? This year? That matter. With Brad Steiner and Barry Corner. 
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.